I am unashamed. What about you? All right, welcome back to uh, Unashamed. We uh, still going during duck season, which explains why Dad has still got his face paint on. He's, oh, yeah. I washed mine off. Commando. It was kind of frustrating. Commander goes commando. It was a little bit. Well, it's never frustrating when you're duck hunting, but when we got there, all the ducks were there, but they were on the other end of the hole that we have. It's an area. So what we determined today, that really this has become a rule, used to, we used to go where the ducks are. That's the number one rule in duck hunting. Yeah. But at this age and stage of the career of all the duck hunters, <laughs> you go to where the most comfortable blind is, where there is a heater, a seat, a nice comfy seat. Proximity to get out to do the podcast. So yeah, we got some. There's a lot of issues. Yeah, there's. It's caused some some interesting discussions because you're looking and everybody's thinking we need to be down there, <laughs> but it's 32 degrees yeah. and there's no comfy blind down there. Mm. So instead of killing 20, we shot about eight. Which is not bad. It wasn't bad. No. I mean, you kill something. But that's where we're at. And I think everybody was kind of, they were like. Is everybody fine. okay with everybody it? Everybody was fine with it. I mean. Are you mad at them anymore, Dad? Are you? Oh, not near as mad as I used to be at them. So they're now they're coming up with a plan to build more comfy blinds in, in between the seasons. Because no matter what happens, I mean, look, we have the front of the year fixing to come here, which is unusual for Louisiana. They say, now we'll see, because weathermen are... Notoriously they, wrong. Well, you should trust them the least of any person <laughs> on the planet. It doesn't say anything about their character, and they may be well, they're trying. You know, warm-loving people, but when they say something, they're not looking outside. They're inside making calls about weather. It's all the computer now. You, you'll hear them say that when they're talking about hurricanes. Which they're pretty accurate on, but they'll say the computer model. That's the word I hear all the time. The computer model says this. So you're right. They're calling the weather from some deep cave somewhere. In, oh, three days in front ago. Of a computer screen. We sat in the elm hole, one of our famous holes, and we only go there when it's clear. And they said it was going to clear off at eight o'clock in the morning. And I said, well, it's worth it. So let's go there. So we went there. So you believed. Well, we saw the line. The clear line, we could see it off in the distance. Mm -hmm. But 8 o'clock came and went. Still out and then there. 9 o'clock came and went. And then 10 o'clock came and went. So I looked it up, and it said it was clear. But you were outside. I'm looking. I said, it's not clear. <laughs> this is not a mistake. <laughs> this, this is just a outright lie. <laughs> it's clear. No, I'm looking. It is not clear. And then they said it'd be clear the next hour. Guess what? The next hour. Nope. Nope. So they were close, but just close. Well, maybe where they were, it was clear. Maybe they were just not where no, you were. I'm telling you, everybody's inside. They're not looking. <laughs> they thought it was going to come through, but yeah, it didn't. It stalled. Yeah, it stalled. So today they said it was going to be cloudy. Well, we got there and guess what? Clear. It was clear. And now it got cloudy at about nine, but it was it was clear. But it was it was cloudy, one hundred percent. The sun was not in the equation, and actually, when we first started hunting today, there was not one cloud in the sky. I mean, how could you be that far off? <laughs> so I don't know. They need to do something about that. But I'm not even sure what my point was. I got I got off <laughs> on the weather weather people. No. Well, that's why they had during the hurricanes, they send them out, which is the right way to do it. They You see them guys, they're out in it. Well, I have respect for them. Oh, me too. Because they're like, when they're telling you the wind's blowing 100 miles an hour, oh. they're, they're holding on to something. I remember my point. So the weathermen are saying that Thursday, which is tomorrow, look, the high is going to be 60. Yep. And they say, now this is what they're saying. This, this is quite the prediction. They say at... Nine o'clock at night. No, well, let me just start over. At five o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to be 60. Yep. At nine o'clock at night, it's going to be 
32. And right at midnight, it's going to be 12. Now, I'm just going to have to. A 50-degree drop in about less than eight hours. I'm going to have to stay up to midnight. <laughs> Probably won't make it. You'll never make it. So they say in one day it's going to go from 60 to 12. But you know what that means. You say, why are you bringing this up? When you see something like that, if it gets anywhere close to that, the ducks are are headed south. They're moving. So we want to update even our non-duck hunting people that the migration is is fixing to occur. Yeah, because if we're getting that here, you follow the duck back up the country, and it's oh, going to be negative, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So there, there. It were this is good times have come our way. The stars are aligning. The next time we're together. I will give you a report. We should have a whacking story. We should. But you could go with, uh, you could believe Hebrews chapter 1, and, 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 and you live that way. Or you could say, whatever the Weather Channel says, they're right. In the beginning, O oh Lord. Is this a weather verse, Phil? You're gonna... This is weather. Okay. You laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You, God, will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. The, the cosmos is predicted to fall apart disappear, wear out, whatever you want to call it. So there's two schools of thought. Or bring the Weather Channel people in, and they'll have guests on to show you how to save the planet. <laughs> well, you the Hebrew had, writer you had big said, picture, yeah. The Hebrew writer says, you're not going to save it. So Phil's giving you a weather forecast that at some point it's going to get really hot <laughs> and a lot of changes are going to happen. <laughs> And that is correct. It is going to be an impossible venture to combat the elements. So, but if you're with God, you will be safe from that's right. the destruction of the elements. Right. So I would just say, I love them, you know. Yeah. But the, but the, the the chicks, the little chicks, get up and they they tell you what's fixing to happen. But many 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 times, they're wrong. Yeah. Weather's hard to predict. Yeah, yeah, perfectly all the time. It's almost impossible. I think it is impossible. Oh, it's impossible. But what they've got planning coming on here in the next two or three days, granted, it's going to be a big blowout from the northwest. It's it's coming down. But to do it at the scale and the speed is what Jace is saying. Is I mean, I don't uncount the bit. times on one hand where I saw it go from sixty to twelve. Yeah, in, in a in the same yeah day. Right. That's what they're saying. We'll see. I mean that's a that's a pretty. I mean I've seen some pretty good drops. I don't know if I've seen one sixty to twelve. It we've we've gone years without it getting without it getting below twenty degrees. Yeah. So I mean for us to go twelve and then the next night's like fifteen and then eighteen. I mean when you start seeing that it it's a it's cold, but it's good for duck hunting. So my point was, I think we're going to be able to have a successful duck season in comfort because if you get that kind of weather i think we can go to any blind we want to as long as it's not frozen yep and have our little heat and louisiana you very seldom if ever while i've been on there three days of in the teens it doesn't get above the teens no it doesn't we rarely see that but we had a we had a that the, they were calling it the snow apocalypse that came. Yeah, we did a, a ago. couple was, years ago. Yeah, that was pretty pretty in Texas. And what happened down here? Really bad. Mass chaos and panic. <laughs> you go to the grocery store, there's nothing there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> People went crazy. People blowing home. Oh yeah, it's just because we're not really set up for it either. No pipes are busting. People are crying. It, it's it's. Well, I have a pretty good hill. My house is on top of a hill. So I never left the house for about five days, but I did have a... Well, you couldn't leave. No. I did have a young man that had four-wheel drive, and after two or three days, he'd bring us by a few, a little bit of grub and some groceries. I had a big bunch of teenagers that got stranded at my house, and, uh, you know, if you spend a week with a bunch of teenagers, Jesus will come up in a deep, 
personal, profound way. Because you get to know people when you're trapped. Right. And it took two or three days. But I, you know, I thought, yep, we need Jesus here. <laughs> Desperately. <laughs> Oh, the question yeah. is, when they left, did they feel like they needed to? Well, you know, the jury's still out, Al. But oh, yeah. I, I know one thing: God works, and He, I, I think that was that was needed. Yeah. When all the disciples were predicted by Jesus, He said He's going to do the destruction of the cosmos. The same Jesus said all of His followers, Peter, all of them, the disciples. They were all going to desert him. Yeah. yeah They're saying, we'll never do that. Well. Yeah, where did, where did, did we leave off? We're in Mark 14. <clears throat> so we were on the last podcast, we were talking about the Lord's Supper. And it was it was actually a Passover meal, but then Jesus was instituting sort of the new way to these disciples because mm. the, the Jace talked about experiencing Passover meal. You don't have the the bread and the cup, you know, that's, that's, that's new. That wasn't part of the old regime. And so he introduces that. And then we read about it also. Well, I think they did it, but it was like not highlighted. At, right. You know, the lamb was kind of the main yep. highlight. And so we were, we were saying he, the blood was re- going to represent the wine and, but his blood, of course they, you know, honestly, they probably had a hard time wrapping their head. They're like, what? What is he? Saying? I don't think they were lying when they said, "We'll never leave you." Peter especially said, "We we will never leave you. We will never desert you." I don't think it was an outright lie. I think well, in his mind, he said, "I'll be there till the cows come home." Here, I I, what I, I agree. What I think happened was, and I re, the reason I think Mark put the story within the story like he did many times, is because you got to remember they. They were looking at this like the people. There's people. They're getting concerned about who Jesus they is. Weren't, there, weren't. there are plots though to kill him, and they're running with him. And so I think that's why Judas. You know, they, everybody kind of looked at where how this is going to end. Just think about it. If you were running there, so they all had this decision that they had to make of. And now, how how far am I going to go with this thing? Because because this is getting dangerous. And uh, you know, well, he's yet- been saying from from Mark, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them. He's what, been saying what, he's going to die. Yeah, he said I'm going to die. Which mm-hmm. they were like, uh, but then the part about but three days I'll rise again. That's still not not. They they're thinking I, we don't know what that means. But but that's not going to happen. Well, they definitely didn't believe it because there's too many passages where it says well, so after, somebody tells after you he was raised. Somebody they, tells you they're going to die in three days. He'll be raised. Al, it, it's a. Uh, I mean, tough. Well, I would say now since it happened, it's possible. But we'll see. I don't think they heard <laughs> anything after I'm going to die. That's right. That, that's right. Oh oh, and you're going to be raised. Okay, yeah, we'll make a note of that. Uh, <laughs> raised later. Well, well, let me let me read what he says in Mark, and then then I want to jump over to Luke because in Luke's account because he says something different there, and I, I just want to get y'all's take on it. Let's uh, before I read this, let's take our first break. So it's a new year, and people are always looking for new things to try. Uh, I, we've got a good one for you. One of our sponsors, uh, Helix Sleep. Uh, provides just absolutely the best mattress uh, that we've ever slept on. And we all use them now, uh, everybody. We finally got uh, one for mom and dad, and dad loves it as well. Um, you can check, everybody's unique, and so they have a, a, a different way that they like to sleep, a little firmer, a little softer, and that's what these guys do. They're going to fit that mattress to exactly what you want and what you need. Uh, they have a 100-night risk-free trial. Um, so, I mean, there's there's literally nothing to lose. Helix mattresses come with a, a 10 or 15 year warranty, depending on the model. Um, so they're going to stand by their product and, uh, and you're going to absolutely love it. Uh, they have, uh, they support military, first responders, teachers, students. There's a lot of special discounts that you can get on their site. Uh, so we want you to try it out. You got that hundred night risk-free. They've got over 12,000 five-star reviews. So people love Helix and no more 
than those of us on this podcast. So they're offering up to $200 off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash unashamed. You're going to take a little quiz. Make sure it's the mattress you get is right for you. Helixsleep.com slash unashamed. $200 off, two free pillows. Better sleep start now. All right, so this is Mark 14, 27. This is right after the Lord's Supper part. He says, you will all fall away. Yeah, which, I mean, there's your opening statement. <laughs> Imagine they're sitting there looking at it. Well, this is after they sung a hymn. They just sung a hymn. I mean. Which, and, which and, we didn't mention this and, in the last podcast, Jase, but I thought it was interesting that this is a very sort of solemn, sad night because of everything that's happening to me. Night, this last night. Judas has been outed. He's saying he's going to die. He washed their feet. Now he's now, and they have this song in there, which I thought. I wonder if it well, was, he outed himself. I mean, the next time you see Judas, he's going to be coming with a that's right with a bunch of soldiers with swords and clubs. Most people don't realize if something is written from one of the prophets, and then someone comes along and says, "The time has come for that to happen." This is it. This is it. And he's, he quotes Zechariah. Right. Well, well, they were pretty probably well-versed in the Bible, the people to, of that day and all the disciples, you know. they, But 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 they still didn't grasp, you know. Right. Just because Zechariah said it 800 years ago, I mean, there's no they reasonably, you know, we can believe it. I mean. And I'm not, yes, it would be interesting to know how, how much they actually knew about that. So he says, you all fall away. Then he says, as you said, Dad, for it is written. So now he's going he's gonna to give them the Old Testament quote. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So he's the shepherd. They're the sheep. And so he quotes this from Zechariah 13. And then he said, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you something. I believe it at I, I've, and I began to believe it, but I was kind of in the camp. Not that I had deserted him; I, I never was had him to desert. But, 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 but to, to look at it in that light, mm-hmm. uh, put yourself in it, there. It shoot. does. It does take faith. It does. And Jesus is acknowledging that once you get to well, when you're getting all the blessings of following him, you know you're healing the your little world of their diseases and it's exciting and miracles are happening and, you know, you raise a guy from the dead. But and, all, and they participated in some oh, yeah. of that. So then all of a sudden you get that. You're it's happening. If it's happening with all heaven, that, but, but it's, it's still. Well, you're talking about heaven and then all of a sudden you start realizing this is going to cost me, especially your reputation. You're now, your family's at risk. I mean, this has turned into some kind of mafia hit. Right, and you're you're with the wrong guy. You're with the guy saying, "Hey, you know, we're gonna fight with some different weapons." Which that's actually mentioned in Luke. And yeah, we'll which is I want to get we'll to. Get to All right, so let me finish this. So he says, "So Peter responds to Jesus, and Peter, there's no doubt about it. Out of the twelve." Throughout all these three years, he's the most vocal. He's the one willing to jump in, good or bad. Peter declares, "Even if all fall away, I will not." You can depend on me. So this is like uh, someone someone pictured this as uh, I thought it was a good point. Peter on trial at the same time Jesus was going to go on trial mm. and Peter swore himself in right off the bat. <laughs> That's right. I mean, he, he basically put his hand on the Bible That's and right. said, I'm in. If all fall away, I will not. I swear. <laughs> so, so Jesus responds to him. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered today. Yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. Not once, three times. <laughs> three times. Which, man, that's that was. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. A lot of people are looking at this, and they they're saying, "Well, it's it's it, it's just not fair to Peter." You know, it, right. it, I mean, he put too much on his. He 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 tried to tried to carry too much, but but and a lot of other ones say, "You mean to tell me y'all follow somebody 
based on readings like this? I said, that's why we follow him. That's right. But the, the Luke's version really reveals, I think, a lot. And before you read it, Al, I was going to skip down and read 54 of Mark 14 because so, and we'll, we'll obviously get to this in a future podcast. So Judas leads the army to Jesus. The, he does the deed. He betrays him with a kiss. And so they haul Jesus off. Well, you notice Peter was following him at a distance <laughs> right in the courtyard. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because a lot I've heard a lot of sermons about that, and they're like, oh, when you're following at a distance. Yeah. You know? But I think it's more positive. I think he was yeah. trying to hold his word. Yeah. He said, I'm not, because look, now we're no longer playing around. Armed men have, have taken your leader, and, and they're fixed to take him to a trial and and you being associated with him means you're you're in the crosshairs so even him following at a distance was risky and, and we also know the Jason, weight of it all had not quite uh, reached peter yeah but well, you, you, I, I think he was defending his oath so he was like here's not, here's why you're right i agree with you that it's that it's consistent that that this is a positive because we know from the other accounts that remember there was a ruckus when this happened that mark doesn't record where? Well, we're fixed to read that. I think you're going to read that in 22. Is it, where you? is it at? It's in 22. Where he uh, cuts a zero? Yeah, I mean, I think it's in. I don't think it, I, it, I it, think it is. Uh, it's not in Mark, I don't think. No, I'm talking about it's in Luke. Uh, no, it's here. So he's like in verse. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's in, in verse 52. Right. No, no, yeah, it's on. It's in Luke twenty two forty seven. Luke, yeah. Luke twenty two. So we'll back up and let you read. But my point is, my uh, point is that what happens is you you pick it up later and Mark is following from a distance. But when Peter whips out the sword, which we're mm -hmm. going to read about in Luke about the swords, and he cuts a guy's ear. So like he's he's ready to fight this thing out. I mean, right. let's let's do this. You know, I mean, he to to the point he is defending. But I think what throws him completely off. Is when Jesus and I put that away, and he puts the guy's ear back on, and it's like we're not going to deal with it that way. And at that moment, I think Peter's like, "Well, uh, how am I going to stick with him if we can't fight it out?" You see what I'm saying? It's I mean, about this time that the guy who lost his ear heard the little conversation about, "No, I'm going to put it back on right quick." Is that all right? I mean, it's about along in there when even his accusers, some of them are probably thinking. What have I got myself into? I just had my ear cut off, and whoever this guy is we're arresting, he just puts it back on. He was a servant of the chief priest. I've thought about Don't that you, before. Talk about sure, a quick surgery. Surely that guy had to have become a believer. <laughs> well, but you know they probably got back and they're like, "Now what? Did somebody raise a sword?" Because that's all part of the fulfillment of prophecy. About, you know, you're in Luke twenty two thirty seven where it says, I mean, this is a highly controversial passage, but really, Jesus, it's not controversial. When he said uh, in verse 36, or, I mean, let me just read yeah, it. Yeah, read it. How, how about that? Yep. So if you back up to where we're at. Look, start in verse 34 or 33. How about 31? Yeah, there you go. Because he makes a prediction. Yeah, he yeah, says, yeah. Simon, yeah. Simon. And he, you know, that that was customary when you say that to mean affectionately. He he's he's like Simon, Simon. It'd be like if I said Chase, Chase. I mean, like yeah, just, just hang, on, hang on, brother. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now that's very interesting. I find this fascinating. Oh, I, I just love this. And uh, but I have interceded for you or prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Now look. That that that's a that's a prelude to what happens to us as Jesus at the right hand of God in First John two. That's right. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But it's also just a glimpse into Jesus' ability to go back and forth mentally or some way spiritually to into get the you other out realm. of some real messes. Exactly. Well, I mean, in other he words, realizes that okay, you're fixed to have the most epic failure of all times. I mean, really, you're you're going to deny me and curse me 
in my face at my most important need after you said you weren't. That's right. <laughs> and you're you're going to do it. Right. And now he then jumps ahead, and Jesus says in verse 32, this is very powerful. He says, and when you have turned back, which you remember Judas was the exact uh, exact opposite phrase when he said he's turned away. That's right. And then he said he's going to betray me, but he said he turned away from me. So at some point he turned away and he's going to betray me. Well, Peter, he's already saying that Satan came and wanted to sift you like wheat, whatever that means, can't be good for Peter. Not good. But but Jesus stepped in, interceded, and when you have turned back, look, strengthen your brothers. This is what I like about this statement because no other religion on the planet would ever put a guy like Peter in charge after what he does. That's right. That's right. You have been. It'd dis- be blackball forever. Oh, you're uh, disqualified. I mean, you were called Satan at one point. Yep. You have made this, you know, running your mouth the whole time. One and blunder after another. Make a prediction of I'll go to prison. I'll die with you. And about 20 minutes later, you are literally doing the exact opposite, denying and cursing your master. And also well, the lesson for us is we should understand that God's there to help us to yeah. mediate for oh, us. Oh, it shows Jesus. you. He, he is. He's there. He to, is when you say, well, I'll do this, and you don't do it, well, he's, well, he's, well I'm, I'm gone. So I might as well go back to the world because he's not going to. He don't realize how far God will go. To keep you, keep you lined out, right. keep you. So what? Watch what hey, Peter hang says. On, let's take a break. We are at a tipping point in America, with 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system, and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family. Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at prestonwood.org chosen. Watch what Peter says. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Now, here's the interesting part is that Peter was actually, you know, he he committed his, I mean, I think betrayal in a way as far as not acknowledging that he knew Jesus and the denial that we'll read later and just made a sham out of this whole thing. So there, he couldn't be any more guilty. And basically, Jesus forgives him, lets him off the hook. Mm-hmm. Even though he was just as guilty. I mean, this is as bad, I think, as you could do to be a follower of Jesus because it's really about, it, it, that's why later on they all went to their death rather than deny him. And here's the irony of it is, is Jesus didn't commit a crime on his trial, and he he died so that he could forgive this very act that Peter shouldn't have got away with. Yep. No religious wor- uh, entity in the world would ever elevate him. They just wouldn't do it. But they're missing the key point is that grace transforms us. That's right. It, it's, God looks at the, you know, his righteousness, the son. So that's why, you know, in 1 John 2, you ever notice that it says, we have one who speaks, uh, the Father and our defense, Jesus Christ. But And it says he is righteous and just. And so you say, well, what does that mean? Because we always think that Jesus, you know, representing us up there saying, well, you know, old Phil messed up again, you know, give him another try. And, but it's not like that at all. Mm. It, it's just because he sees Jesus's righteousness with his innocent sacrifice for the forgiveness. I mean, he paid our debt. Full. You don't. You don't have to pay them again. There, and that shows you his justice because of Jesus dying. Which so I, this is an illustration of that before it happens. That's right. And what what's interesting, Jace, is he lets him know 
that when you're healed from something, he says, when you turn back, in other words, when, when you, when you understand this, you don't even understand it yet, but when you do strengthen your brothers, you're going to have an opportunity because of what I'm going to help you overcome to then strengthen other people. This is what's setting up in my mind. Jesus telling Peter, you're going to be the leader of the movement. Jesus had already handpicked him in uh, no doubt. Matthew 16 when he said, you know, I'm giving you the keys That's to right. the kingdom. Blessed are you. You'll be back around. That's right. Remember, do you love me? Well, do you love me? Yeah. Which we'll get to that yeah, in the in the, yeah. in the that, after. First uh, John 1, 9 is the, the verse I was claiming. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. So he's just because of who's doing the forgiving, which is Jesus, and it's it's not us. So... Anyway, so then he says, Jesus answered, well, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. <laughs> but he, I remember he just said, you're going to, you know, the evil one wants to sift you like we, and so that your faith, you know, may not fail is what Jesus interceded for. And then you're going to turn back. So he's predicting that you're going to. Deny me, but you're going to turn back to me. I mean, this is probably making his head spin. Okay, now it's like, no, 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 no. Not only will you not go to prison for me, and will you not die for me, you will say three times you don't even know me. Yeah. And the third time was horrible. Oh. It was it's, like calling down curses. Right. You know? Yeah. He just cussed him. And, and Jesus stared at him in that moment. Yeah, so, that's right. I don't know if that's in Luke. It may have been it, one more. of the Gospels. It, when he did they that make third, contact. yeah, he, it says while Jesus stared, he called down. Yeah, that's in this him. one. That's in Luke. Yeah. So so then, no, I was going to get to this, and I don't want to wallow in this, but this it's it is only recorded in Luke, and people have made a huge deal out of this, and I do want to mention it because this will be our only chance, I guess. So verse 35, then Jesus asked, them when i sent you without purse bag or sandals did you lack anything so you remember that when he sent out the 72 and he yep. gave him the power and he's like don't don't, don't take carry anything that's right now all of a sudden they said nothing answered he said to them but now if you have a purse take it and and also a bag and if you don't have a sword sell your cloak and buy one well that's the controversial because you're like well wait a minute now what I thought this was a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. Well, he explains why he says that in 37. And this is, I don't know what y'all have to say about it, but this is my take on it. Because then he says, it is written, and this is in Isaiah 53. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. So Isaiah said he's going to be numbered with the transgressors. and what I get out of this is when the men with clubs and swords came, they because it's hard to arrest an innocent man for this severe crime. But it had a look about it because they had their swords, which normally, because he said, the disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. He said, that's enough, he replied. So you said, well, what was he encouraging them to do some kind of rebellion? Well, we know the end of the story. No, because when they come up there, Peter took one because Peter got the idea based on what he just said. Oh, exactly. we fixed a fight. Exactly. So he strikes the man's ear, and then Jesus says in verse 51. No more. No more of this. Then he heals the guy's ear. He touched the man's ear and healed him, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. And so... Really, you don't now look, I know people have written narratives about, you know, the Second Amendment and the the right to defend yourself and all and look, which are all things I believe, but I do, I think you're get trying to get way too much out of here than you know, that what he he wasn't talking about later on the Second Amendment in, in this he was talking about some swords and it having a look of their transgressors and there's there there's an uprising. Right. That they got to put down. Because that's the way they were going to sell that this guy needs to die. Now, why God chose to do that, I don't know. But he, he told Isaiah to prophesy, and Jesus was fully aware of having that fulfilled. And so he's like, well, how many swords you got, too? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. So, I mean, is that how you see it? So, let's take a break.
Yes, and then I think there's one more element that he's referring to, and that is he's basically saying, you know, I sent you out. Don't take anything. I'm here. I sent you on a mission while I'm here, but I'm fixing to not be here, and it's fixing to get rough. I think the idea of the transgressors, too, is the idea that you're going to be lumped in with me once I'm gone. So you better get everything you got ready because it's fixing to be for you like All it right. is for me. You're so. on the run now, yeah. and, and and the moment that you're declaring Jesus, and look, there's not a whole lot has has changed. Uh, I, I've, we've talked about before. Right now, there's more persecution of Christians than has ever been. I mean, there are in some countries. I mean, there are people dying by the hundreds. And so, uh, and America doesn't seem to be really happy with us. Well, exactly. So, and there may come a day, but but you think so, about Jace in the moment of their understanding, this was all they could understand, and Jesus went with it. But what's what's going to happen is when we get over to the Book of Acts. They're going to do the same thing to Peter they did to Jesus. Remember, they got after him, they hatched a plan, they arrested him, they were fixing to execute him, and then you know an angel just shows up and he walks right out of the prison. And everybody falls down, and then Peter gets it like Jesus did. He's like, "Oh, okay, I got it. This is bigger than swords." You know, this is spiritual warfare, and I got God on my side, which is why he went willingly to his death, you know, in, in the 60s and, and was crucified upside down. Yeah, so, and somewhere he says, look, I could call legions of angels and, you know, one of, right. one of the gospels. Right. In this one, in Luke, he just says, am I leading a rebellion? This is uh, 52, that you have come with swords and clubs. Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour. When darkness reigns, and so then they seized him and led him away, and then there's that's when Peter. So yeah, Peter, pick it up from there. Yeah, then Peter's following at a distance. So when the they had kindled a fire, and I'm in Luke twenty two fifty five, but Mark says about the same thing. Similar, yeah. Yeah, middle of the courtyard and sat down together. Peter sat down with him. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, "This man was with him, but he denied it. I don't know him." A little later, someone else said, uh, saw him and said, you also are one of them. I am not. 59, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilee. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And some of the others say that. Call down uh, curses. Call down curses. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Now, here's where I was said, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. <laughs> that's, that's heavy. Yep. Mm. And so I wonder, Jason, that weeping moment, you know, I mean, obviously he's devastated because, I mean, he was so bold in his prediction and all that. Now he realized, okay, Jesus was right. But I wonder if he remembered in that moment when Jesus said, but when he turned back, strengthen the brothers. I mean, I wonder if that just gave him just enough comfort. Cause I mean, at this point he's shattered, you know, I mean, and he, and, and again, I think the reason why it hit him so hard was because he wasn't going to be able to fight in the moment. Like he thought this fight needed to be fought that, that we're going to take over. He knew Jesus had all this power, I mean, he experienced that, mm-hmm. but now we're in the moment, and the death is is now is settled in. A lot of people will say they'll die for something until they get into the moment where you're facing it eye to eye, and then all of a sudden it's a whole different ballgame. And it is for any of us, you know. I mean, you hear stories about people, even believers to this day, that are asked to renounce their faith and say no and get killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's the ultimate. Yeah. So you fast forward to, and we'll read this awesome passage in. Uh, John 21, 7. So here's, now Jesus, this is post-resurrect, so he dies. Last time you leave off with Peter, you know, he's weeping bitterly, and then there's some appearances, and, and they have the excitement that Jesus is risen. But we still had this, this dark cloud hanging over Peter. And it look, it's not like any anything that we haven't experienced. It's called guilt and shame. That's right. I mean, and your reputation. That's right. If you think about it, he went out of his way. I'll die with you. I'll go to prison. You know, I mean, your your reputation is ruined. You, you've been, you, and you did it to yourself. And so when they said it's the Lord in verse seven, Peter, as soon as 
As Simon Peter heard him say, this is verse 7 of 21 of John, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. I mean, he, he, he's, not, he's not messing around. And so Jesus gets some fish. Verse 11, Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore, is full of all these fish. Come, let's eat breakfast. They have breakfast. So then in verse 15, because I felt like I needed to read that because it, it was a moment. And remember, Jason, before you read this, this is the exact way in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus first impacted Peter. Remember, they had been fishing. He was sitting in his boat, and he said, why don't we let out a little bit and put the nets back out? And Peter's like, oh, Lord, that's, you know, we're, we know what we're doing. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything because you say so. I'll do it. Then they caught that big, large catch of fish. And you remember Peter looked at Jesus and said, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. So I think that's significant that Jesus decides to have the same scenario mm. here in this moment. All right, go ahead. So when they had finished verse 15, eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Because you got to remember, where did all this, why is he bringing this up? Because he said, hey, if all of them fall, <laughs> I won't. There's no doubt he was making that connection because that that that's just where we left off. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of God, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, which I thought was a really good answer. He's like, you you know. You just, you're asking, but you know that it's true. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. <laughs> Which is what he originally said. Let me said. tell you, the a warrior was born from this point on. Right. Yep. So let's take our last break. One of the things, Jason, is interesting that when I studied this, when we studied John, and it might be worth mentioning, and I don't know that it necessarily impacts it, the three questions seem to coincide with the three denials, you know, obviously. But one of the things you do realize in the Greek is that the first two, there's different Greek words for love. First two times he says, do you love me? The, the Greek word is phileo, which means friendship. Basically, it's where we get brotherly love, Philadelphia. You know. The third time he asked him, he used the word agape, which you, which you don't see a lot until you get over into the epistles. Agape means a self-sacrificing, all-in love. I mean, that's the kind of love God said he has for us. So it is interesting that that third time he shifted words on him to a much deeper level. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, so we're brothers. You love me? Yes, yes. But do you agape? Do, do you love me so much now that you'll give it all in that word? And it's funny that he was hurt because it's almost like he's he's thinking, you don't trust me. Yeah. Well, I think it was a response. I think loving God becomes a a reality and it's for everyone. That's right. You, no matter what happens. Well, I think he also did this is cuz when you look at when they, when he was calling down curses, I looked up that word and uh it's kind of an, an unusual word. Uh it's that word anathema, anathematha or how do yeah, you say that? Yeah. That's it, anathema. Uh, yeah. And it's like you're, he was declaring that I'm cut off from I, I I can't be any more stronger than I am not with them. It, it is like a, a it's the same chasm. It's the same word that Paul used in I think it's Romans nine or ten where he says I would be anathema, I would be cut off and cursed if yeah. if I could save all the Jews. If they if, in other words, if if that's they what would, it took. If that's what it took. So, what so that's a is, super strong word. That's a that's a that's so extreme just a few days ago and now you have agape love which i would venture to say is the exact opposite of his being cut off (laughs) in his denial is having a loving unselfish sacrifice sacrificial 
it's not about me. I'm not doing this for profit. I'm not doing this for just so to get the blessings. I, I'm I'm looking for the blessing giver. I mean, I, I'm I love you because I love you. There's there's no. I'm I'm not trying to get to, and I think that's full circle what redemption does. Because you think about it, he did something about his guilt and his shame. He redeemed not only his sins and guilt, but his reputation. Because, I mean, I'm sure everyone is aware of this conversation and the reinstatement that happened. He, uh, He's now wanting to use him, which is crazy. That's why I said no other religious world would i mean he's just he's fallen too far but you know three strikes you're out yeah god's like i want to use one strike maybe but three in a row you're out yeah and i think it also gave him the freedom to uh you know in all this to have a sense of humor to get over his past to to live now as as forgiven and redeemed i mean which is I think what what really what grace does to us all. I mean it. I mean part of the reason I think our our family resonated with people when we did our little show is that we were willing to you know laugh at each other and and despite I mean we're not like unlike anybody else we all have mistakes and all but there's there's something about being in Christ where you know you're forgiven it gives you confidence that you know why this is happening. So, you know, we point people to God and his message of grace through Jesus. But this transformation allows you to laugh at the at the little stuff, even our past, you know? Right. I mean, it's not like we're taking sin lightly, but we just realize that, you know, once you're redeemed, you're redeemed. It, mm-hmm. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You've been justified because of who Jesus is and what he did and what he does. And uh, that that's that's why you have real joy and real peace. It's it's hard to explain that to people who haven't been soaked in God's grace and love. Right. But you see here, I think Jesus said this somewhere: the bigger the fall, the bigger the appreciation. And and a lot of people are like, "Well, does that mean I go sin a bunch?" No, it just means you just wouldn't think that he could have ever recovered over this, but he did, and it, yep. and it had nothing to do with him. Well, and he put that, the one of the references you're talking about is also in Luke, Luke 7, where he told Simon, the bigger the bigger the acceptance of forgiveness, the bigger the capacity to love. Yeah, That was it, the way he framed it. The fact that the love of Jesus is never questioned in any of this. Right. With Peter going up and down, and up and down. That's right. Saying one thing and doing another. Oh, he just loved him. I mean, God's unoffendable. You know? That's right. He, he'll, he'll forgive you. That's right. And it's really hard for people. There's a lot of people that use this as an excuse, this right here, for not coming to Christ. A lot of they, people, you make one mistake, and oh yeah, you're out. Well, they don't like mind. it. People doesn't like a system that they feel is not fair. And they're like, if a guy does all these heinous sins, and there's another guy who's a pretty good moral person, you're putting them on the same line. And that's just not fair. That's right. But God said, oh, yeah, it's fair. I'm forgiving them. That's why he tells the stories about, you know, I, I hired some guys early in the morning and I agreed to pay them. And then I hired some real late and I paid them the same thing. That's right. You're like, well, that's not fair. Well, it's a picture of grace. They're making as much as we are. Yeah, it's We're a, it's working a, half a half. It's a picture half. of grace. It, it's, there's, there's some people that, boy, they did, they did a lot of cutting up. And you got to realize God knows the heart, so you're not going to hoodwink him and he knows he's sincere and peter was sincere judas wasn't yep. well, judas ended up in a in a ditch you know with he his turned away guts guts spilled out yeah he, he turned away that was the difference you know so even when peter was following at a distance i, I do think there was something there hey, as long as you're still scrapping <laughs> you're still alive you know, you're still searching. You'll have these these encounters with Jesus that matter, which is really, even though it was frustrating for him, well, I'm telling you, it was like turning on a switch because you read the rest of the Bible and, and Peter is a stud. I mean, he is a star. And you think about it, it's it's definitely his charisma and his potential that got that God and Jesus knew all along. Because you look at, remember how he came in? Remember it was Andrew, his brother, 
And Andrew and Nathaniel had been following John the Baptist. So these guys had been, they had been understanding way before these other ones. And so their thought was, boy, if we can get old Peter, it's sort of like what Jan said about you. If we, yep. if we could ever get Phil, we could do something. And that's what they were thinking about him. So even though these epic failures are there in his, those three years, Jesus always saw the potential for Peter. Yep. When he gets this turned around, you ain't gonna believe what you're gonna see, and, and which is what I want to talk about in the overtime we get there. Because when you look through the first twelve chapters in Acts, I mean Peter's a rock star. Oh yeah, uh, of the beginning of the church, but but you really don't understand how great that really is until you see him in this moment. And just in a little bit of time we have left, Jason, I did think it was interesting that Peter at the end of John, when he tells him, you know, basically how he's going to die. I mean, he doesn't give him the specifics, but it's like, it's, it's not going to be good. And he looks over at John, he's like, what about him? In other words, if this is going to be so bad, what about this guy? And then Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And we talked about this back when we were in Mark 13, but the idea is the idea of Jesus coming and going, you know, that, and we talked about the destruction of Jerusalem, but Jesus also is going to reveal himself to John in Revelation which is the last thing we're going to get in scripture. And so what he's saying is I got something else for him. You just need to focus on you. And, but, well, that, but it obviously it's built, like he reinstated him. He loved him. He received his love. And then he like slapped his hand and said, Hey, <laughs> because once again, Peter says that one thing, this, yeah, just this is not about you and <laughs> your right. compadres. That's exactly right. Well, so we're out of time uh, for this uh, episode, but we'll, uh, We'll do a little bit more about some of Peter's, um, some of the great things he did in our overtime segment. So if you want to follow over and catch that, it's on blazetv.com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.